We've been asking you tonight about family doctors. Do you have one? Did you have one and no longer have one? If so, have you been able to find one? Jason Edmonton writes, it's tough hearing Dr. Bouchard, a guest at the beginning of the show, Dr. Brady Bouchard, explaining these situations. As a rare liver disease transplant patient, Regina's where I started with my illness in 1997. A good family doctor anywhere in Saskatchewan was a tough search. I left for Alberta in 2005 for better help, he uh, says in the first half of that. Let me know, do you have family doctor issues? If not, what do you have one? If not, what happened? Uh, 877-399-9898. That's 877-399-9898. 9898, and we'll share your stories throughout the show. Well, some big news today in the blood donation world. Canadian Blood Services says Health Canada has approved its request to end the policy that restricts men who have sex with men from donating blood for three months. Canadian Blood Services asked Health Canada to allow it to scrap questions about gender or sexuality based basing screening on higher sexual risk behavior instead. It says starting no later than September 30th this year, potential donors will be asked if they've had new or multiple sexual partners in the last three months, no matter their gender or sexual orientation. Liberal MP Rob Oliphant says this is a step on the long march of human rights and ending stigma. 30 years ago, my first partner died of of AIDS. And in those intervening years, those dark years, there was huge stigma. And I understand why Canadians were worried and why blood services was worried and why bans were put on. I understand that. But science evolved and uh, social attitudes evolved and our understanding evolved about what this virus and any virus is. J.P. Armstrong is a PhD candidate in the sociology department at York University and an instructor in the sociology department at McEwen University in Edmonton and the vice chair of the Queer and Trans Health Collective. J.P. Armstrong, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those uh, issues that I'll be honest with you. I was out of the country for a very long time and I was, I came back here and was shocked to find out it was still in place. Uh, it feels like it's been such a long fight to get rid of this. Um, what was your reaction when you heard the news today? Uh, I was so excited. It's a momentous decision. So I've been working on this researching blood donor policy for the past five years, but there's been a policy excluding, uh, sexually active men who have sex with men, on the books since 1983. So this is the work of thousands of queer researchers and queer activists. So to be a small part of that, I was just so incredibly excited this morning to see that news. Perhaps explain to listeners what, because it had been gradually, it had been, it had been a full ban, I remember back when, and then it had been gradually reduced to years and then months. What was the importance in getting rid of it altogether? So... In our research, we found a lot of folks were taking issue with the policy. So regardless of their interest in blood donation, uh, a significant number of the folks that we talked to suggested that the deferral policy unfairly targets gay and bisexual men. So there were some folks that were still interested, but there were others who really would not donate as a result of this. So it was a reason for many of the disinterest of many of the folks that we spoke to So one participant, I remember them saying to me, one participant in my research study uh, that I was a part of under the supervision of Dr. David Brennan at U of T, uh, I remember them saying to me, I'm not going to help out. You're not going to get my blood. And this is my way of saying this policy is wrong. I wouldn't want to do anything that justifies this kind of policy. Um, 
And other folks felt that this policy assumed they were careless in their sex practices or that their blood was dirty. So this is a huge issue for folks. This policy was incredibly stigmatizing, and it wasn't up to date with our contemporary understandings of HIV transmission and detection. Now, in in the clip that we played coming in, uh, Liberal MP Rob Oliphant, who spoke about losing a partner to AIDS many, many years ago, spoke about understanding the fear that had existed, uh, the stigma, spoke about the stigma that had existed as well, and also spoke about how the science had evolved. What has changed? What has changed that, that, would, that, that allows, um, and, and why did it take so long to make this change? So I believe a large part of it was due to stigma, the delays in this change. But we are testing our ability to test uh, for HIV transmission has increased. It's currently so there is a window period between the transmission of HIV and the detection of HIV. So for a long time, uh, that has been the justification for this deferral period. Uh, But now, so Canadian Blood Services uses nucleic acid testing, which can detect HIV in less than 10 days. So the testing and our ability to detect HIV transmission has uh, really evolved. You know, I'll be honest. I, I'm, in, I'm in my early 50s. I, I, I grew up with, with gay friends who who'd never donated blood. Yeah, so Just there's happened. a large number who won't. I, we actually found, so... In our research of the folks that we surveyed, um, about 70% of our participants were interested in donating blood. They really wanted to donate. Uh, They saw blood donation as an altruistic behavior and a means of helping someone in need. So they likened blood donation to other forms of civic participation, such as voting and jury duty. So people have strong feelings attached to blood donation. And this policy that's been implemented it's going to allow many of them to donate. However, at the same time, what's significant about this policy is many of the folks that we found that weren't interested in donating blood, again, because they found the policy discriminatory, uh, they mentioned that the only way they would donate blood is if everyone was treated the same. So there was no longer a policy targeting MSM. So the shift towards this gender-neutral policy uh, is significant in that it might change the mind of those folks who aren't interested because for so long uh, Canadian blood services slogan, it's in you to give uh, it's a powerful call to action, but gay, bisexual and other men who have sex with men know that this call to action is conditional or that it has been conditional. So even beyond this policy change, I think there's a lot of work to do uh, in terms of relationship uh, repair between the organization as well as the community Uh, because there's still some mistrust there. So some of our participants suggested that uh, Canadian Blood Services implement diversity sensitivity training for all of its employees. Others mentioned that uh, Canadian Blood Services should start doing pop-up clinics in queer spaces as a means of showing that they are committed to engaging with this community that they've historically excluded. 
Yeah, I was, I was, gonna, I was speaking with J.P. Armstrong, a PhD candidate in the sociology department at York University and an instructor in the sociology department at McEwen University and vice chair of the Queer and Trans Health Collective. We're talking about an announcement today that Canadian, Canadian Blood Services um, says Health Canada uh, has agreed, has approved its request to end the policy that restricts men who have sex with men from donating blood uh, for three months. And that will happen uh, as of no later than September 30th. Um, I want to uh, tell me a bit about about the idea of lifting of improving the relations because because you're absolutely right just changing the rule won't be enough here you really there has to be some sort of outreach what could that look like so yeah as mentioned uh yeah. it could be some implementing diversity sensitivity training that would be an important yeah. step one that our participants mentioned public relations campaigns reaching that right. show uh queer blood donors on their ads, uh, pop-up clinics in queer spaces. And as you mentioned, even this policy change isn't enough. There are folks within the community that still see this as stigmatizing, but now towards non-monogamous folks. So I think there's still quite a bit to do. And there's shifts. Policy generally lags behind uh our scientific understanding of HIV transmission and detection. So I think there's still some work that can be done here uh, because these policies do have consequences to be written. So these policies distinguish who between who is safe to donate and who poses a threat to the donor pool. And that carries quite a bit of stigma with it. So to bring this even further in line, with scientific understandings, I think that will continue to attract queer donors. What first, I mean, you've been doing this for five years as research. What first led you to want to look into this specific, uh, this specific rule or these rules and why they were in place? But what, what, what drove your interest in it? And, and you spoke earlier of what a great day it was because you played that small role in, in, in better informing uh, these sorts of decisions. So I really like it. I, my background is not in health research. It's always been around social movements, around public stigma, homophobia. So I am very interested in that function of policy between the stigmatizing function of policy and how it distinguishes between who has blood that gives life and who has blood that poses a threat to the blood supply. So I'm very excited and I was very excited to pick up these skill sets and be working in this field and move towards a policy that no longer constructs uh, gay, bisexual and other men who have sex with men as potential threats to the blood supply. So what, what will you be looking for now? I mean, we know the change has been announced. We know there's a deadline, uh, September the 30th. So what do you look for now? So currently we are working on some, even though this policy just came out today, what are next steps? So what are the directions that uh, Health Canada or Canadian Blood Services can go in? So as I mentioned earlier, the testing that they use to detect uh, HIV, it can detect HIV transmission in uh, up to 10, so less than 10 days so the three-month deferral period could potentially be reduced. There's a support for reducing that three-month deferral policy even further, given how testing capabilities have evolved 
I think similarly, as we increase our understanding of the effectiveness of condom use as a risk mitigator or PrEP, which is a medication that uh, folks take to prevent the transmission of HIV, uh, as we begin to develop a better understanding of those risk mitigators, then perhaps those can be implemented into uh, future blood donor policy. Similarly, I think that uh, one thing that would be significant, so previously, uh, the policy asked trans donors about... Uh, JP, we're down to our last 30 seconds. I apologize. Just if you could finish <laughs> okay. the thought, that'd be great. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no worries. Sorry. Uh, so oh. one thing that they could do, I know that even after implementing this policy or this new criteria, they are not going to have an option for non-binary folk. And that is something right. that they could do to uh, help attract those donors. The work continues. JP Armstrong, thank you so much for your time today. And congratulations on all your hard work. Thank you so much.